the path doesn't have to be straight. We have a lot of information that we can Value courage. You're listening to the We Get Real AF podcast, exploring the future with trailblazing women and girls in emerging tech, XR, AI, and futurism. Science and technology are reshaping our world at lightning speed. Engage in conversations that'll spark your curiosity and challenge what you thought possible. Inventing tomorrow starts now. And here are your hosts, Vanessa Alava and Sue Robinson. Welcome to the We Get Real AF podcast. I'm Sue Robinson. And I'm Vanessa Alava. Please remember to subscribe to the show and leave a quick rating and comment wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. The world of entertainment has a powerful voice in shaping culture. But who is shaping the world of entertainment? Do movies and TV shows do enough to represent women in a fair and respectful way, or do they perpetrate outdated stereotypes? And how are emerging technologies like AI being used to help the entertainment industry do a better job of ensuring equity and inclusion in the media we consume? These are some questions we're tackling today with our guest, Madeline Dinono, President and CEO of the Gina Davis Institute on Gender in Media, the only research-based organization working collaboratively within the entertainment industry to create gender balance, foster inclusion, and reduce negative stereotyping in family entertainment. And we are honored to have you with us today, Madeline. Thank you for joining us. Welcome. Thank you so much for inviting me. Absolutely. Before we dive into our conversation, we would love for you to let our listeners know how they can get a hold of you and how they can find out more about the Gina Davis Institute on Gender and Media Online. Well, we would love to invite your audience to follow us on their preferred social media platform, which is at G-D-I-G-M. And from there, you can learn all about us and check out things on our website and and a variety of others. So that would probably be the best way. Awesome. This is a subject that's very near and dear to our hearts because we are both girl moms. I have three daughters who are in their early 20s and Vanessa has a beautiful four-year-old daughter. So um, we want to see the entertainment world do a better job of representing the voices of women and would love for you to, to sort of level set for us where we stand today and what the Institute is doing? Like, what is your mission and and why is there a need? What we're doing is taking a data-driven approach to help all of our leading partners in media entertainment accomplish their diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. And we have found that data and the research has been the key to, to help them. They're looking at content. And when they do look at that content, They then need to have a conversation with the creative executives who will produce and execute on that content. And sometimes those conversations can be uh, somewhat sensitive. So we have found that our tools have served as a bridge and also have provided a data-driven approach to how someone can think about their DEI content strategy and eliminate defensiveness emotion, and just keep it really fact-based. So that's what we've been doing kind of behind the scenes since, you know, 2004. And uh, and we've been successful. 
Madeline, I, uh, well, both Sue and I have uh, backgrounds in media. I have an entertainment film and TV background. Sue comes from the broadcast journalism background. <laughs> that being said, we kind of know the landscape or what it has been for a very long time. When you say that these conversations are happening and how they're shifting, are you noticing the needle moving toward the empathetic, caring, compassionate ethos part of that? Or is it more so checking a box? Or is checking the box kind of your foot in the door to, to making and influencing these changes? So first of all, the numbers speak for themselves. And we accomplished two of our primary mission goals in 2019 and 2020. And that was, first of all, achieving gender parity for female lead characters in the top grossing uh, family films out of the US and then uh, achieving gender parity for female lead characters in the uh, top Nielsen rated children's programming. Uh, so in a very short period of time, we've showed that our theory of change you know, works. And that could only happen as a result of uh, using the data uh, to advocate, educate, train, consult the leading content creators on how to do this. Uh, so, so we have seen the needle move. Now, we use an intersectional lens. So it's not just about gender. It's about gender and race, gender, race, and LGBTQ, disabilities, age 50 plus, and body type. You know, people don't realize that 34% of our population in the U.S. is 50 plus. We're living a long time. Um, <laughs> the same thing with larger body types. 39% of our population is a larger body type. And it's important that we kind of reflect that in the world, you know, of fiction. When it comes to LGBTQ, we have found even though that community is about 4.5% of our population, it's been under 1%. You know, and the same thing for disabilities being only about 0.8% of our characters, given it's 20% of our population. So back in 2013, we were awarded, uh, we were one of seven recipients of a Google Global Impact Award. And the question that Google wanted to help us answer is, could computer science help us do this type of content analysis and perhaps unpack more? unconscious bias. And so with that technology grant, uh, we found what we think was, the, you know, is the best and brightest in the machine learning world, uh, which is at USC Viterbi School of Engineering, and specifically led by Dr. Sri Narayan and his team at the uh, SAIL Laboratory, which is Signal Analysis uh, Laboratory. And through that partnership and also with our own internal research team, uh, which was led by Dr. Caroline Heldman, we were able to conceive of a hybrid machine learning tool along with human expert coding that was able to automate a portion of what we've had to do and actually go deeper. And we, our tool is called GDIQ, the GD stands for Gina Davis, Gina Davis Inclusion Quotient, we were able to automate that and not only extract gender, but screen and speaking time. And what we found is not only were we not at parity with female characters, but when you were talking about a female co-lead, she was not speaking or on screen with the same amount of time and visualization as the male co-lead. And that really brought out a whole nother layer of 
you know, unconscious bias. So it's been really helpful for us. And then about two years ago, we really started thinking about interventions. What are the best interventions? And for us, it was realizing that it starts with the script. So how can we help pre-production? And we approached our partners once again at USC Viterbi, who had a text-based, you know, tool. And then we internally built on top of it and we created another tool called Spellcheck for Bias, which we've been piloting with partners such as the Walt Disney Company and NBC Universal to look at scripts and manuscripts and to really extract not only intersectionality in terms of characters, it's who's speaking and how are they showing up. And as you can imagine, it's easier to fix things on the front end than on the back end. And we believe that that tool, which again is a combination of machine learning and human expert coding, will be the most productive to really help executives and creative executives with their DEI content strategies. So Madeline, I have a question. We're storytellers at heart, right? And there are certain stories that lend themselves toward, um, you know, maybe focusing in on one character versus the other. Uh, And obviously you have this amazing technology that's being used for good. So how do those two things intersect to where you're trying to create gender parity, but you're also not wanting to uh, impact the integrity of a story? when you're focusing in on a topic or a character. So how does that kind of work in harmony? So what we do is if we're analyzing a script, we will look at those six identities that I mentioned, and we'll look at every character that speaks five plus lines, and then we organize it. So it's very easy to see who has the most dialogue. And then depending on who we're working with, we can look at tropes and stereotypes based on each one of those identities. And then also we can look at sexual assault and violence, gender-based violence and racial injustice, a lot of other things. And then we'll, it's mostly about pointing out opportunities. You know, if there's 50, 60 characters that are contributing to dialogue and zero of them, you know, are currently described, because the thing is most storytellers are gonna focus on their protagonist. They're not thinking in their head, Well, these characters have 20 lines and these characters have five lines. Exactly. They're not even thinking about them. They're not describing them. But for those executives that are really looking to infuse more diversity, equity, and inclusion in the content, it's a really easy way to say, hey, we've got this great opportunity. So can these characters who are speaking 20 lines, 30 lines, five lines, can we open that up? Can we make sure that the messaging goes to casting or on set to look at all these other identities. Is there an appetite for that amongst those executives? Once they're presented with this data, this very valuable data that you guys are providing them, is there a desire to ameliorate it or address it? Are they surprised? Are they shocked to find out that these biases are out there that they're participating in without realizing it? Because again, it's unconscious. What I would say is there's been enough conversation around unconscious bias and diversity, equity, inclusion, that um, there is an inherent awareness that we all have unconscious bias, number one. Number two, uh, the numbers have proven that doing good is good for business. And we have seen that 
on the television front, you know, for example, we know the demand for diverse children's content has gone up 60%, uh, particularly during this COVID uh, we, uh, pandemic we've been dealing with. Uh, we know that when it comes to having diverse uh, co-leads in a feature film, it will make the most money. So there's a business imperative and there's the social imperative. So doing good is good for business. Is it easy? Yes, it can be when you're thinking about on screen. I think when it comes to hiring practices, that's conscious bias and that's been going on for the since the beginning of the industry and everybody knows about that. But I think it's, you know, the on-screen opportunities, which are the easiest to fix, and everyone can contribute to it, and it doesn't have to uh, kind of violate the authentic truth of, of the storyteller. Now, how does a company become organizationally ready? How do we do this? And, and that's where we've been leaning in and trying to provide the right training and tools so that this can be like automatic, boom part of the beginning of the process all the way to the all the way to the end. Mm-hmm. I love that you mentioned the word opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is an opportunity for you to see where you can integrate more diversity, more inclusion, more equity across all of these sectors. Hey everybody, Sam McLean here from Inphase Audio, audio producer and editor for the We Get Real AF podcast. I'm so glad to be a part of this podcast, encouraging women and girls to step into emerging technologies and celebrating the accomplishments of those who do. Make sure to follow me on Instagram at McLean Sounds or check out my website, inphase.biz. Thanks for listening. What are the real world impacts? In my opening, I talked about how the entertainment industry does inform and influence culture in a lot of ways. Can you talk with us a little bit about what the real world impacts are of not having representation in the media that we consume versus having better representation? Well, I think there's a few things. You know, first of all, as storytellers, we have to remain relevant to the changing population and vigilant. And for your audiences who may not know the numbers, you know, by 2045, the U.S. will become minority white. And so we really have to think about it because that's the future of our children. I have a few examples. So some of your audience may know that at one point in time, Gina took up archery and was trying out for the Olympics. And as a result of that, she always remained passionate about archery. Well, a few years ago, her archery coach called her and said, you know, I've been looking at the numbers and women and girls' participation in archery shot up 105% in 2012. Here's a test, everybody. Drum roll. What two movies came out in 2012? Hunger Games. Mm -hmm. And drum roll, drum roll. (laughs) Brave. Oh, okay. Okay. Brave, that's right. Girls saw those characters, went out and bought a bow. It was immediate. That's just one you know, example. Another example is uh, we pay a lot of attention to STEM, which is science, technology, engineering, and math, and how female characters are portrayed, and you being involved in technology understand that. And you know, we had the pleasure of working with 20th Century on uh, a study for the Scully Effect, which was the amazing character played by Gillian Anderson. And 
they said, you know, the show's been on air a long time. It's going to be going off. And we believe there's a Scully effect and that this character has definitely led women and girls to pursue STEM. Can you validate that for us? And we did a survey of a few thousand women and girls who would have been old enough to have watched the show. And believe it or not, 63% of the women now working in STEM attributed to that character because she was iconic. She was in control of her destiny. She wasn't a damsel in distress. Um, and we have many, many examples of that, how you know people don't realize that these fictional characters can give children a window into the world of work, mm-hmm. you know, and potential careers and aspirations. So it's it's very important. We hear Jodie Foster a lot as well in our podcast yes. <laughs> as one of those women who just, uh, and who recently, Hillary Swank was another mm-hmm. one that we heard recently. So yes, uh, Merida and Katniss then are our archery leading ladies. And if anyone hasn't watched it, that's Brave. It's a Disney film. And uh, Hunger Games, obviously, with Jennifer Lawrence. That's right. And the X-Files was the character that Scully was in with uh, Jillian. I love that. You know, I think it's it's true. I mean, I think we all know intuitively that when content is produced that's really compelling, we relate to characters, we follow that character, we feel a connection with that character. And if that character is aspirational, that can open doors and windows, especially to young women or other marginalized communities who maybe aren't seeing somebody like them in the media. And that's hugely important. So we love what you guys are doing. Seeing is believing 100%. Give us a little bit of background on what prompted Gina to start this foundation. And then would love to hear your own career path, Madeline, and how you became passionate about this space. So what's so interesting is Gina started the Institute out of a very personal experience as a mom. And by the time she became a mom, uh, she was extremely accomplished as an actor and had a few experiences with the response that women and girls had to her roles, such as in Thelma and Louise and A League of Their Own. And with that heightened awareness, as a mom with a toddler daughter, she was really astonished when she started consuming programming because she just didn't see a lot of female characters. And the female characters that she did see were very marginalized, no career aspirations, weren't really contributing to the storyline. And she thought, how could this be? This is the 21st century. And she would talk to her friends about it. She would talk to producers about it. And no one saw what she was seeing. And she thought, you know what? I need to get some data. And She just wanted to prove if she was right or not. And she was. And that's how the whole thing got started. And then after she had the data in hand, she thought, well, I'm just going to go right to the creators. I know everybody. And, you know, I've had 30 plus years in the industry as well. Let's just go tell them what we found and see what we can do. And it was always done with the intent of being collaborative, not shaming and blaming, presenting opportunities. And, and giving the industry a chance to respond. And that's how we've been operating since 2004. That's wonderful. I, I love hearing when a celebrity does something so meaningful, and, and it always comes down to something personal, right? That that they get on a firsthand level, and there's nothing more powerful than being a mom and seeing the world through the eyes of your child and realizing what 
messages they are and are not getting. So we appreciate that she did that and, and would love to hear about your journey and your involvement as well. So I had the privilege of being in many different positions in the entertainment industry. And I just got to that point where I thought, hmm, can I use my power for good? I think all of us volunteer, whether we're involved with our kids' schools or our church or whatever it is, we all are in service in some way, shape, or form. And I thought, well, can I use my power for good and do something that's more pro-social? And I went on my own journey and exploration. And to make a very long story short, that led to me meeting Gina. And when we finally met and we discussed ideas, etc., I said to her, well, so what do you want? And she said, I want world domination. <laughs> and I said, okay, this is what that looks like. And that's how we've been rolling ever since. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I do too. Your mission is is near and dear to both Sue and me. Again, mothers of daughters and wanting to change the narrative. My four-year-old is is so just intuitive. And she brings things up all the time. Even when we don't think she's listening, she's always listening. Um, so she watches these shows and I'm still with as much work that is being done. And I don't want to diminish that because it's important. There's still so much work to be done. Um, the way in which young girls are portrayed, even on shows, on some of the brands that we know and love, Nickelodeon, Disney, we're talking about girls still having emotional breakdowns and being bratty and all of these things that I'm like, these are things that are instilled at this age, at this age. And isn't there a statistic, and Sue, you're much better at remembering these types of things than me. I remember the overall story, but from four to five, there's like this switch in the brain in a girl's mind where if you show them a picture of, of children or a, a picture of, of people and you ask them who's the leader, they'll choose a girl if they're four. But at five, for some reason, they'll start choosing the boy, mm -hmm. the men. So now, now the time in my life is a big thing to continue the conversation that she is brave, that she is capable, that she is a leader and using language of abundance to bring her and lift her up. So I, I so appreciate everything that you and Gina are doing and your team. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I'll just speak from the other end of the spectrum in, in motherhood, because again, my daughters are in their early 20s, and they still need to see this kind of t content and hear it and be reinforced. And every single woman who we have interviewed on this show, and we've interviewed badass women who are like exploring outer space and creating apps and, and scientific breakthroughs, and they all still question themselves, and they all still have imposter syndrome. So clearly, enough work can never be done to, to just keep reinforcing the voices of women. And that's what we're trying to do as well. Are there other groups that are jumping on the bandwagon and trying to, to do what you guys are doing? I know I said in my introduction that you are the only research-based organization working collaboratively within the entertainment industry to create this gender equity. Are there other groups popping up? Is awareness spreading? Do you see that happening? I think it's been wonderful. Since we started in 2004, there are organizations all over the world that are putting eyes you know, on content from an industry standpoint. Um, and then you have wonderful advocacy groups, you know, like CLAD and others that are also looking at a specific identity, you know, all of, I'd say the major guilds and agencies and film festivals are also looking at their own numbers. So I think it's great that there's this, you know, heightened awareness and everyone is applying it to their specific 
nature of what what they're doing, whether it's a film festival, whether it's a production entity, whether it's, you know, an academic. So I, I definitely see a much more unified approach and also looking at other verticals. I mean, we operate in advertising, global advertising, gaming, television, streaming, film. So um, there's a lot of verticals that we work in. Madeline, I'd love for you to chat about Mission Unstoppable. I know you're an executive executive producer on the show. It's a STEM-based children's show. And also uh, talk to us about some of your favorite um, children's shows out there right now that are empowering young girls. I'd love to hear that from you. So Mission Unstoppable came about because of the wonderful work of Lida Hill, and Lida Hill Philanthropies. And for those of you who don't know Lida Hill, she's a phenomenal philanthropist who believes the world's problems can be fixed with science and she puts her money where her mouth is. She has a program called If Then, which has a hundred amazing scientists, ambassadors. She has been funding scientists at you know Nat Geo. There's a many, many, many things that they do. And one of them was they they are truly advocating and supporting us in the need for more female characters in STEM. And that opportunity presented itself in Mission Unstoppable. The host is Miranda Cosgrove. It's an opportunity in an unscripted format to engage girls and, of course, children in science in a way that's fun and accessible and approachable and with activities that they can do at home. And uh, for Gina and I, it's been a, a real joy. We're thrilled that we're on season two on CBS this morning. Uh, Litton Entertainment is the production company. And it's really great to see, you know, the response to the show and also to that approach. All right. Well, let's then jump into our lightning round if you're up for it, Madeline. I'm up for it. I may not have the answers, but let's give it a go. All right. All righty. I'll, I'll start us off. Let us know what three pieces of advice would be that you'd give your younger self. Well, one is always treat the assistants like the boss. And I've said that a lot because that assistant is the gatekeeper. Uh, number two, always say thank you and demonstrate gratitude. Number three, don't judge a book by a cover. You know, so for example, anyone you meet may be someone who could be great to network with or engage with. Don't assume you know every person that that person knows. And along with the network is you have to cultivate your network like it's a family member. It's a living, breathing thing. And you can't let it go just because you happen to be in a job or you're in school. You have to nurture that forever. It's a lifelong cultivation. Mm -hmm. Yes, ma'am. Madeline, what was the worst piece of advice you were ever given? It was more or less kind of tone it down, Mm. which have I ignored. Um, (laughs) Good for you. you. (laughs) So I would say, you know, someone once said, you know, it's all great, but maybe just tone it down. It's like, yeah, that's not going to (laughs) happen. I love that. All righty. How do you define success? If you can succeed in your goals and maintain your integrity and your ethos without having to sacrifice, that to me is the definition of success because a lot of people are successful, but they're horrible people. You know, a lot of people are successful, but they've acquiesced so much to get there. And that was something I refused to do. 
And that's what I would say. That's really the true measure of success. Stay true to yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What celebrity would you cast to play you in a movie? Marissa Tomei. Okay. (laughs) I love it. I could see that, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, If you were to pursue a different career besides the one that you've had, what other career path would you pursue? Probably in the education realm. And also, for me, I am an artist. So if I wasn't doing what I was doing, I would be a a professional artist. What type of art? Uh, I'm an oil painter. What myth about women in STEM would you like to dispel? That they have to sacrifice their life, that they wear white lab coats with glasses, and that it's not family friendly. Those are all great points. How have you surprised yourself in your career journey? And this could either be a strength that you discovered that you didn't know that you had, or maybe it was a hangup that you realized you didn't need to have ever and you could have just done away with. Well, Moving from for-profit into non-profit is, was n- never part of what I thought I would do until I had, you know, reached a more mature point in my career. And I honestly started to think about my mortality and I started to think about, can I leave a legacy? And that's what really motivated me to look at the, you know, pro-social orientation versus just staying in a for-profit. All right, Madeline, fill in the blank. Blank like a girl. Liv. Is there anything that we did not address that you want to cover? Well, I would just say that as parents and caretakers to pay attention to what your kids are watching, there's a lot of opportunities for you to just have a conversation based on what you're watching. Uh, And just be mindful because like you said, that imprint happens really early on. That would be one thing I would say. And also... We all have a voice and you have the power of your pocketbook. So there's a lot that you can do to make your voice known and advocate for the type of content you'd like your children to see. Wonderful pieces of advice. Thank you so much, Madeline. This has been awesome. Again, a topic that we we love so much. And I agree with you. My parents growing up, there wasn't one thing that was off the table in a conversation. They wanted us to have that conversation with them before we went out and sourced it from other, anyone else. <laughs> so exactly. 100%, I think that there's an opportunity, whether it be great content or content that needs a little bit of work, it is an opportunity to have a meaningful conversation, an intentional conversation with your children and be part of their lives in that way where they know they can come to you. And now more than ever, right, because kids are consuming so much more content through so many more channels than ever before. So this is is so incredibly important. Thank you so much for your time today and for sharing all these wonderful insights. And thank Thank you for all the work you're doing. Go Gina Davis Institute. Yes, yes. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of We Get Real AF. We're excited to bring you the voices of amazing women and girls who are shaping the future for good. Please help us spread the WeGraph mission of supporting women and girls in emerging tech and science. Follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Our handle is at WeGetRealAF. And visit our website at www.WeGetRealAF.com. Don't forget to like, comment, and to subscribe to the podcast. We also want to give a big shout out and thanks to Sam McLean for providing sound production for the show. You can find Sam on Instagram at McLean Sounds, that's M-C-L-E-A-N-S-O-U-N-D-S, 
and to our voiceover artist, Veronica Horta, for her show introduction. You can find Veronica on LinkedIn by searching for Veronica Horta, H-O-R-T-A. We'll meet you back here next time for another great conversation about high tech with cool women.